You know you're a bad mom. Hmm. Girl, you need to lose some weight. You know nobody likes you. These are just... Ooh, hello. These are some of the labels that I think we let define us as moms. Right? But... I don't know if you're anything like me, but I don't need anybody else's help, okay? I don't need anyone else to say that I have to be perfect all the time. No one else feel like that? I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not good enough. People won't like the real me. I can't trust anyone. The world is not safe. It's not safe to let go. I've got to be in control all the time. I'm not worthy of love. I have to put everyone else first. I don't deserve to be forgiven. So let me ask you something. Does anybody else struggle with this? Okay. Please say it's not just me or I'll have to get another card. I had a heck of a time editing this list, by the way, so welcome to my my personal uh, psychosis here. Let me tell you something. This does not define you, and it does not define me. You know what you are defined by? Who you are in Christ. Just take a minute. Whether we feel like that or not, that, in fact, is the truth. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something funny because I, I usually try to be a little bit funny and I was like, boy, I'm going to bum everybody out right from the beginning. But I have to tell you about the story of asking Julie Brasington, the happy home fairy, to point at me and call me fat. <laughs> so I duped her, which is awesome. I, I texted her and I was like, hey, I need your help for my speech. And you know, Julie, she was like, I'm in. I just channeled Julie a little bit when I did that too. Um, so she's like, I'm in. And I'm like, oh man, I wonder if she's still going to say yes when I tell her she has to point at me and tell me I need to lose weight. So we're on the phone and she, I I explain what she needs to do. And there's like a pregnant pause. (laughs) And I waited. She's like, okay, um, I'll do that. But only if you know that every time I see you, I think you're a beautiful mermaid. And I was like, (laughs) I can do this. I can definitely do this now. So thank you to my friends who were willing to cast aspersions at me in front of all of you lovely ladies. So, so let me just tell you something. I, when I wanted to talk about humility, as, as you know, I take liberties with the subjects and I thought, 
I want to talk about where false humility comes from and where real humility comes from. So false humility was what creates all of this. You can go to the next slide. Um, False humility is what creates all of this, okay? False humility creates shame. And shame comes from one place, the enemy. That's where it comes from. It's not real humility. When you're burdened down with all this, it's lies. It's lies, lies, lies from the enemy. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Next slide. There it is. Understanding and fully accepting Christ changes everything. Amen? Amen. Only one person's away. <laughs> I bummed you all out, didn't I? I'm sorry. Let me, let me ask you something. Have you ever thought about this? When you ask God into your heart, you've got to ask him into your head, too. You do. And not, not once, but all the time. Only God can replace Satan's lies with truth. Once you're focused on God, you're free to live his purpose for your life. Next slide. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, I don't know about you, but this feels like a yoke, and all these thoughts have burdened me my entire life. I cannot think of a time where I wasn't worried about how I'm falling short, how I'm not good enough, what those girls over there that are skinnier and cuter than me are thinking and have like better shoes and like they have their nails done. Do you know what I mean? Like it's always something. And I wish I could tell you I outgrew it. I wish I could say that like middle school's done and I'm cool now, but it's not true. I worry about this all the time. I thought about it this morning. I'm thinking about the fact that she's taking pictures and I only have one good angle and it's this one. Go, hurry. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I'm taking my cues from Julie today. So, how, how do you get this? How do you, how do you get some peace in your life when the world and the lies are always coming into your mind? Here's how you do it. You weigh everything. Next slide. You weigh everything you think and hear with the word of God. Isaiah 13, 12 says, I will make a man more precious than gold. Peter 2, 9 says, you are a chosen people. Ephesians 1, 4 said, for he chose us in him. Get it? You matter. You're important. All this crap is lie. So when you lie, when you weigh the lies of the world with the truth of God, bam, perspective change. And at least for me, when, when I really understand, when I make myself stop and pause from the crazy and I accept that what God says is true and that Jesus' sacrifice makes up for all I lack, I feel free. And that can make you feel free too. When you realize that the the feelings that cause fear and pain and inadequacy are removed by Christ who says, I've got a cover for you. You're covered. That creates a humility that is a joyful humility. Because you know that wherever you're at, you're enough. And Christ makes up the rest for you. And so you can do this. Let's do it. How often has it been since you've taken a really deep breath? Right? Let's take a collective... It should do that for you. And that humility, that humility is real. And it's God-honoring. And it feels good, doesn't it? So bottom line, when you're focused, next slide, when you're focused on God and not yourself, you can stop beating yourself up, and maybe even others. And you can lift yourself up, and you can lift others up as well. And then 
You're free to be used by God for whatever he has planned for you in your life. Being a mom, being a wife, whatever else it is you do, however you serve. So I'm supposed to talk about marriage, so let me do my homework assignment here. Humility changes your marriage. Can we all agree that if we could be a little bit more humble? And not our husbands. I mean, I know it's really easy to be like, well, if you would just humble up a little bit, it would be easier. And I have to be careful because my beautiful mother-in-law is here today, so I have to tread lightly. No, I'm just kidding. I don't so let me ask you something. Have, have you heard the verse? I'm sure you have. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. We've all heard that. Have you heard, if you've heard my testimony, you've heard me say that that kept me away from Christ most of my life. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. That does not sound like a good deal to me. But let me ask you something. Is it possible that God designed marriage not as a way to restrict us, but as a way to free us? Is it possible? Okay, let me, let me give you how I think that's possible. For example, when we submit to our husbands in a fight over who is right or wrong, we put our pride to death. We put our need to be right to death. And that's the mark of humility. Yielding because it's right, not because it's fair. Is this not the example of Christ? Every day, our marriage gives us the opportunity to follow the Lord's example or fight to get our own way. I'm going to read you a verse from a book I think every woman should own. It's called um, what, it's Sacred Marriage. And it's, this is a quote from the book. Will we approach marriage from a God-centered view or a man-centered view? In a man-centered view, we will maintain our marriage as long as our earthly comforts, desires, and expectations are met. In a God-centered view, we preserve our marriage because it brings glory to God and points the world to a reconciling creator. You know, the enemy wants you to think your marriage is nothing more than a way to make you happy, make you fulfilled, and for you to get what you need. But God designed it for you to give what is needed. Okay, I, here's a little look into my life. My husband and I both work, and I'm an acts of service person, okay? You know, the love languages, I'm acts of service. So, I'm very lucky because for the most part, I have a husband that does what I call the three Ds. He puts clothes in the dryer, he does the dishes, and he diapers the kids, okay? So for the most part, I'm super lucky. But every once in a while, I will come home at 10 o'clock or 10.30 from my day, and there's like, the kitchen is like a, a, a war zone. And immediately, immediately I start doing this little mental inventory about who does more in the house. Does anyone else keep lists? It's just me, isn't it? I'm a terrible person. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay? But what this is an example of is a humble versus a prideful response. This is my pride. I'm mad. I want, you know, my perception of what should be happening isn't happening, and so I get angry. And I wish I could tell you that I always remember the verse from the Bible that says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, but I don't. But when I do, when I change my view from my view to Christ's view, I don't see a kitchen that maybe my husband didn't clean that night because, gee, maybe he's exhausted too. I see an opportunity to serve God and serve my family by just cleaning up the kitchen with a happy heart. And I know that sounds silly, but I'm telling you, I think you can do ministry work right in your own kitchen when you clean without grumbling. Seriously. Okay? Sorry, I'm like, I'm fumbling. There's nothing more humbling than public speaking. So thank you for the lesson, Lord. (laughs) So the worldview says our husband's not doing enough, not, you know, not getting it right. I mean, are there enough commercials on TV with the idiot husband? I mean, it's so frustrating to me what the world says 
to women about how we should view the men in our lives. I hate it. God's view says our husband is a gift from God whose job is to provide for us, hello pressure, and he deserves our respect. So we can choose to react to our husband's words defensively or we can respond to him in a loving and an understanding manner that's not contingent on deserving it. And that's only possible when you're humble. Because humility shows grace and pride condemns. So it's a really easy gut check to see where, where your heart's at. And when I say you, I mean me. So when we, when we are fully in touch with how far we fall short of the glory of God, I think we're less focused on what our husband's not doing right or what anybody else isn't doing right. We keep it here and we work on us. And that ends up changing our whole environment. You ever notice that? I mean, we've said this a million times. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But if mama's humble, that spreads beautifully too. So when we realize that, when we realize that Christ makes up for all we lack and we can't earn heaven and we don't deserve it, but we get it anyway, boy, that should just, we should have like humility like radiating out of our fingers. So, Again, I, I think that what's really important is, uh, you can go to the next slide, is that we, we do marriage God's way. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this like this. I'm sure most of you have, and I'm late to the party. But a Christian marriage should model Christ's love and sacrifice for the church and point others to Christ. Our marriage is going to tell our kids what marriage is. Our marriage is going to tell other people what marriage is. So when we are genuine in our marriage and in our life and in our living, we're preaching the gospel just by living it. So that brings me to my last point. Fingers are not working. A humble heart changes your witness. It changes your witness. It's all about a perspective change. Jesus makes up for all that we lack, does he not? All that we lack. And when we get that he saved us when we could not save ourselves, when he, the highest of the high, died and sacrificed himself for us, the lowest of the low, when we get that he defeated death for us and we don't have to fear death, when we get that faith and grace and salvation are a gift, when we get that, we live like it. We live like it. Next slide. We make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. So think about someone, think about someone you really admire. Just first person that pops into your head. I guarantee you they're a humble person. Someone you just like. You're just like, I just like that person. I like them. I mean, unless you're having a bad day and you're like, I hate that person. You're always nice. <laughs> What's up, Susie Sunshine? But okay. Susie's. Um, But humble people are not self-serving. They're not. They don't seek the praise or the spotlight. So you know I'm not humble because I'm like, spotlight right now. They're quietly helpful. But they're usually those behind-the-scenes people where whatever the project is, it would not have gotten done without them. They're critical. They're critical. And they always make time for you. Does it sound like anyone you know? It sounds like Jesus to me. If you can't think of anyone else, you maybe need to get some new friends. Or No, I'm just <laughs> My gosh, I'm breaking up friendships right as I speak. I'm never coming back. They're never going to have me back. 
So new slide. So as Christians, and I, and I don't know if this is you, maybe you grew up in the church and you're like an evangelism master. And if you are, please come see me after the speech. I need some notes. I like notes. I'm going to take some notes. But when I first became a believer, the thing that freaked me out was that I was going to have to share my faith with other people. And I, I, had, I, I conjured images of like a traveling vacuum salesman. And I was like, oh man. Because I remember when I was like, I'm not buying what you're selling. And if you could just move it along, thanks so much. So I remember feeling that way. But let me say, let me say something that's going to freak you out. And then I'll, I'll try to make you feel better about it. We share our faith every day by just the way we live. And Vicki said this and Julie said it too. You are a testimony all the time, whether you like it or not. And the testimony that you give is based on your perspective and how you're, you know, where you're at for the day. Have you been in God's word or did you hit the snooze button three times, skip your quiet time with God, guzzled some coffee, and you're like, I'm going to just muscle through this day myself. I do that all the time, by the way. Just so you know, like I'm guilty. Do it all the time. So people who know that we're believers in Christ are watching us all the time. All the time. And they see how we respond to disappointment and fear and uncertainty and injustice and tragedy. But when we allow the truth of Jesus to flourish within us, we imitate Christ. Our responses are Christ-like. And so we don't become those hypocrites that a lot of people want to call us. We become truly graceful, humble people that people are like, I don't know what it is about you, but I like you. If I'm having a bad day, I don't like you, but I like you. There's just something about you. That's, there's a piece about you. This is a verse that I absolutely love. Preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. St. Francis of Assisi. Isn't that amazing? At all times. And boy, do I remember that when I'm having a Cruella de Vil moment on the road. <laughs> yeah. If I've ever beeped at any of you, that's always my fear that I'm going to beep at someone. And then they're going to be from my church. And I'm going to be like, there's that crazy redhead. There she is. So, so all, all joking aside, <laughs> preach the gospel at all times with your actions. This... This change of perspective, if it's a change for you, great. If it's not, if you're already living like this, my hat's off to you. But this change of perspective does not come on its own. This is not a five steps to a better you. I have to get up every day, and sometimes after yelling at my kids, I have to get down on my knees in the kitchen, and I have to ask their forgiveness, and I have to ask God's forgiveness to calm, to calm me down, to settle my heart, and, and, and to help me do it, I have to ask God to be humble to God. And when you realize that you even need God's help to be humble to him and to others, when you understand that, that is humbling. So I'm going to leave you with this last verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When you understand this, that understanding breeds gratitude. And gratitude manifests humility. And humility brings peace. And sisters, that peace of Christ will make you free. Thank you. <laughs>